In this 100th episode, I sit down with David Bienenstock of Great Moments in Weed History. Welcome to Bite Me, the show about edibles, where I help you take control of your high life. I'm your host, Marge. Thank you for being here. And yes, 100 episodes. If you have just joined or you've been along the ride for a while, I'm so grateful that you're here and you've given up some of your time to listen to the show and hopefully make some great edibles. Now, today's guest, David Bienenstock, co-hosts his show, Great Moments in Weed History, with his friend Abdullah Saeed. It's a wonderful show. It is one of my favorite cannabis podcasts, and it does a beautiful job of telling the stories of the people who have come before us so that we don't forget our cannabis history. Now, you may also know David from High Times Magazine, from Vice, from the Weed Eater column that he's written. He has written extensively in all kinds of well-known publications, and he's written the book, How to Smoke Pop Properly, A Highbrow Guide to Getting High. So without further ado, enjoy this conversation with David Bienenstock. So much for joining me today. I'm really excited to have you on Bite Me, the show about edibles. And I was just hoping you could take just a minute to introduce yourself to the audience. Uh, Sure. I'm a journalist and an author. I've been covering cannabis uh, since 2002. And now I am the co-host, along with Abdullah Saeed, of the podcast Great Moments in Weed History. And I myself only discovered your podcast probably within the last six months. And I have to say, you've got a new listener over here. I love it. And that's partly the reason why I wanted to have you on today. What inspired the creation of the show, Great Moments in Weed History? Sure. Well, actually, my and this is very uh, relevant to bite me. Uh, Abdullah and I had worked on a television show called Bong Appetit Together, uh, which is a vice show. I was the producer. He was the host. And after doing, you know, about 25 episodes of that together, uh, we both uh, just decided not to work with Vice anymore. We don't need to get into that. Uh, but uh, on the set of the show, you know, this is a show about food and cannabis. We would uh, go meet edibles makers. We would work with chefs. Uh, so, But there's a lot of downtime when you're making a show, uh, particularly if you're the host or myself. I'm not a camera operator uh, so we would sit and smoke and talk and really formed a pretty deep friendship and like to tell each other stories. And that just sort of became the vibe of the podcast. Uh, and we decided we wanted to make a podcast together in a big way because uh, we had both just left jobs with cannabis companies that, you know, were basically not really caring about the community or us as individuals. And so a podcast allowed us to just start making something that we felt really passionate about. Uh, Cannabis history is something that I think is really important. I think it can be, uh, if we don't tell these stories, they're going to disappear. And Mm -hmm. this whole beautiful history of not just resistance to prohibition and and in the modern era really starting to topple prohibition, but also just incredible stories about our culture, you know, whether that's the jazz scene of the 1930s or, uh, you know, uh, Bob Dylan was the first person to 
smoke out the Beatles, get them high for the first time, <laughs> or like uh, Maya Angelou has an incredible cannabis story that was transformative in her life. And yet most people who who read her books and look to her as properly an icon they may not ever hear about that part of her life because uh, those parts of history have been suppressed. So uh, we have a lot of fun on the show. It's definitely a humor show, but we really try to take our history pretty seriously. And that definitely comes across in the show. And the relationship that you and Abdullah have developed is comes across really clearly as well. And I love that you two also spark up a joint before you start just to set the tone and set the mood. I think that's wonderful. So you guys are now four seasons in, uh, what has been your favorite episode to date? And I know that's not a very fair question because there are many great moments in weed history, but there must be a couple of standouts. Yeah. Well, I, th- I think it's very personal. You know, there's, there's a few stories that have been very personal to me about people who I've closely interacted with in my life. Um, you know, I knew Dennis Perone, the person who, uh, and Brownie Mary, who really pushed for the first medical cannabis laws in California, who were a big part of the response to the AIDS crisis at the time. Um, so a story that's so powerful and about people that I at least have the chance to know and interact with, I would say the Wham! episode, uh, where a group of medical cannabis patients came together and fought off a DEA raid and well fought off through nonviolent political organizing. <laughs> uh, you know, that's very close to my heart for, for your listeners. I would say we, we trace the history of the weed brownie in a very interesting way that actually uh, goes back a thousand years to Morocco and involves uh, uh, Alice B. Toklas and her, and her partner uh, uh, Gertrude Stein. So you know, that's the thing. So much of this history has been hidden that when you do make the effort to dig in and find it, it, it just brings you to a lot of fascinating places. So that was a wonderful answer because you didn't really answer the question, but I like it because, <laughs> I mean, like I said, there's so many great moments and you guys do uncover some really interesting stories. Um, you mentioned Brownie Mary and Alice B. Toklas. I've talked a bit about them on my show before, but not in the same kind of depth. Um And Brownie Mary, like, what a badass. She is so amazing. Um, Are there any other cannabis figures as far as edibles go that don't necessarily get, that are like the unsung heroes, that don't get the attention that they deserve? I think in the broadest sense, what people should understand is that's really the oldest form of consumption. You know, if you can imagine, this is a, a... going back to possibly, you know, in one episode, we talked about how Carl Sagan, a huge cannabis enthusiast, uh, speculated that perhaps cannabis was the first uh, plant domesticated for agriculture. So, you know, that's about 10,000 years ago. That's a super long history. It was a transformative event in human society to go from a foraging uh, culture to an agricultural culture. Uh, lots of good and bad things came out of that. Uh, but we look at, for instance, Majun is an edible that has its roots in Morocco. Uh, and there's recipes for that that are a thousand years old. And, and it's part of a hash making tradition that is equally old, older than any wine culture. 
so, you know, I think that is the kind of thing we try to point out to people is there's modern cannabis culture. There's cannabis culture under prohibition of various kinds. But weed culture goes way, way further back than that. And edibles culture goes way uh, further back than that. Now, I have never heard of Majun. Can you tell me a bit more about what it is? I've never heard of that before. Yeah, I, the, the easiest analog is, is, is there's like something called a goo ball that you might have found on uh, Grateful Dead lot at yeah. some point. <laughs> uh, but uh, so picture yourself in Morocco with the ingredients that would be around a thousand years ago. So basically just local things like nuts and dates and that sort of spice blends that you would find uh, in, in cooking there. This is a, it's a dessert, but it's not um, overly sweet. You know, mm-hmm. it's in that kind of nuts and dates and figs, give it the uh, kind of ball. Mm-hmm. And then it's rolled in nuts and dusted with spices. I mean, it's quite delicious. And it is, there is no such, it's not an infused majun. Majun is infused and that's a really important distinction so it's, it's not like oh every once in a while somebody throws some hash into them it is a specific food made as part of this really old cannabis culture that is always infused that is always associated with cannabis and hashish and is honestly quite delicious and it is the kind of thing where um so my mom's italian What's what's the what's the recipe for Sunday gravy? Everybody's got it's got the same building, building blocks, blocks, but yeah. everybody's got their take on it, and that's very true of Majun. Um, but so it's it's pretty fascinating. It's something you can definitely, as a home cook, uh, you can make at home. It's quite delicious. It's certainly um, on a food value scale, you know, a lot better for you than like a Twinkie by far, you know, (laughs) and and quite delicious and something that keeps well. It's a cool thing. Uh, When we did an episode where we talked about Majun, I actually brought, uh, made a a batch to the studio for Abdullah and I to snack on. So it's a really cool gift. It's kind of a way how food and cannabis uh, can break down barriers, um, between people, I, I see history the same way. Um, I feel that common understandings in the past are more likely than common understandings of what's going on now. You mm-hmm. know, we're in a very fractured society. So uh, if you can make and share with somebody uh, Majun, you can also share these stories with them. And, and, you know, that's the fun part of being in this culture. Right. And I, I'm definitely going to have to try to make those. They sound a lot like your modern day energy bites or like the rolled oats bites that you get or something like that. And they sound like they're pretty nutritionally dense too. So you can make them really healthy while getting your THC into you as well. Like yeah, that. most definitely. And they're, they're yeah. sweet without sugar because, you right. know, obviously there's natural sugars yeah, in those. But, and, yeah. you know, for people with different kinds of, you know, uh, food restrictions or something, it's it's interesting in that way. Yeah, it's probably pretty easy to modify too. Um, so as far as edibles go and loosening laws in Canada and the United States, how do you see edibles playing a role in that? 
I think, you know, the biggest thing is when you have a new regulated environment in edibles. First of all, I, I, I used to, you know, when there was more live events, I do a lot of live events. And every time you talk about edibles, you say, well, how, how many people out there have had an experience where you ate too much edibles and had <laughs> uh, not dangerous, but perhaps unpleasant or even harrowing experience? I have. You have. Almost everyone has. A big part of that was because what for me, it literally was a goo ball that I bought. Uh, on Grateful Dead lot from somebody who told me to eat half of it. And I made the classic mistake where you eat half of it, you wait only 20 minutes or so, and you eat the second half. And then, oh my gosh. Uh, I think as we move into this legal uh, regulated environment, what happened is some of the earliest states in the United States to start to regulate and package edibles, there weren't the kind of... uh, clear dosing information. There wasn't the public uh, educational campaigns. It just takes time to educate people. And, you know, the easiest thing to do is eat too much, especially if you like to eat and Mm -hmm. especially if something tastes good. So, you know, on a personal level, the only thing you really have to know is just keep good dosage control Uh, For people trying to regulate this, it's really important to pair clear package information, a standardized dose of either 5 or 10 milligrams, and have a a public education campaign. Uh, Make sure that the bud tenders uh, are a point of information, you know. Make sure that the people manufacturing these products do it responsibly. And it really is just, you know, in the old days, I used to say, well, do you like to drink a glass of wine? Yeah, sure. Well, what if every time you drank a glass of wine, you didn't know if it was the alcohol equivalent of one glass of wine or 10 glasses of wine? That's where you get people who ate an unregulated edible, it was way too strong, and now they say, oh, I don't like that. But really what you don't like is taking a dose that's uh, inappropriate. When you're making stuff at home, I'd say two things. You know, we have people, if you are in the, if you have the ability to go to a dispensary and get a product with clear dosing, let's say you can get a uh, chocolate bar that is 100 milligrams and it's broken up into 10 pieces that are 10 milligrams of THC each. Mm-hmm. You can cook with that. You want to make frosting for for some cupcakes. Make 10 cupcakes. Use the bar. It's not going to be perfect, perfect, but you're going to be able to reasonably say each of these cupcakes has 10 milligrams. That's a really fun way to... Uh, make edibles at home with no guesswork. If you, like many people, happen to have a lot of weed and no store to go to because you grow weed or your friend grows weed or you just want to get some weed from your dealer and make edibles, it's a bit more complicated. There's good information online how to do it. It can be done, but it has to be done carefully. You don't want to uh, under 
delivering on THC is a mild bummer. (laughs) (laughs) Over delivering on THC can be a real problem. So, you know, that's, I think, if you are going to make edibles at home, really follow every protocol and test things, test a much smaller portion than you plan to serve somebody and really take that responsibility seriously. Yeah, I would totally agree. And I always I always recommend to people too when they're making edibles at home to definitely calculate take that extra step to calculate the potency, especially if they're gifting them to anybody because that's where you run into trouble. You don't want to be responsible for somebody being turned off of edibles forever because you gave them something that was too strong. If it's yourself, usually you have a pretty good idea of where your own tolerance is during your process of making edibles. But I like the suggestion of taking that chocolate bar from the store and incorporating that into your edibles making at home because that can also be a fast way to create your own edibles too. So that's a great advice. Oh, yeah, thanks. Yeah. <laughs> what's like your you know what what's your favorite if you're making edibles at home, do you have like a signature dish go to? Um, I make a few different things and sometimes it depends on the mood, but l- one of the things I really like making are caramels. And they're Ooh, just yeah. the little caramels in a in a in a wrapper. I can throw them in the freezer, make a big batch and um they're pretty low dose, which means depending on how I'm feeling, I can eat more or less. I usually like to eat more because I'm a sucker for caramel, but they're really great for gifting to people too, because they are low dose. And if they have a higher tolerance, then they can eat more or I would make them something else completely depending. But I have a a couple of friends that really like the low dose nature and they're just just like a little bite-sized piece of goodness that will get you lit. So that's probably one of my (laughs) go-tos for sure. (laughs) Yeah. All right. Sign me up. Yeah. Do you have any, do you have a signature dish that you like to make when it comes to edibles yourself? Um, I love to cook, but the science aspect of making edibles just takes me out of my happy zone. I like, (laughs) I I like to cook, but I don't like to measure. Right. Uh, So I leave the, I leave the edibles to the professionals. Right. For for me personally, (laughs) you know? Yeah. Well, that's fair. I'm sure you know lots of professionals that can supply <laughs> you with whatever you need. So that's great. Now, I know that you and Abdullah have have lots of experience with edibles and you do like to smoke before a show. Do you guys ever eat edibles before a show? Uh, well, we ate the the Majun Midway in a show yeah. and we were thinking about a show once. Uh, the thing about the thing about edibles too is it can really creep up on you and it's it's harder to you know we're we're quite you know adept smokers uh but that has a very quick feedback loop you know yes. when you smoke you start to feel almost all of the effects within 30 seconds to a minute they'll last but you 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 uh ingest you you absorb that cannabis and THC very quickly so it's very easy to say okay I, I'm where I'm at um in recording an episode, you know, in a typical episode, I've got a lot of notes in front of me. We're going back and forth. We've got to keep a long kind of complicated story uh, straight. And while we, of course, edit the uh, the podcast a little bit after, we really try to give people uh, the experience of a real conversation. So uh, I am always a little wary. And and, and often we, we record to two shows back to back. So I'm, right. I'm a little, I'm always <laughs> a little wary of, uh, you know, that, 
but I think I think we had an idea, which we probably will do, of leaning into that once and kind of, uh, you know, because the other thing is it takes about an hour and a half to record the show, which we edit down. So if we eat edibles at the beginning, we'd only really start to be feeling them, hopefully by the end. But we wanted to kind of do something where we get increasingly high as the episode goes along. So that's, that's on a list. We have a list, right. but we haven't gotten there yet. Yeah. The trick is to start like eat the edibles maybe an hour beforehand <laughs> and then have it go through. And I don't personally tend to eat edibles before I record either. I don't usually smoke either. Cause I'm not, I'm a bit of a lightweight when it comes to smoking. And then next thing I know, I'm just staring out the window instead of talking but i did go on a show one time and i ate some edibles because their only prerequisite for coming on the show is you gotta smoke something or eat some edibles before you join us and that was for me it was i didn't get too high but i got pretty high (laughs) (laughs) and yeah it it definitely provides uh some additional challenges when you're trying to sound coherent (laughs) yeah especially on somebody else's show but um you have like, I don't know how many episodes you have now, but you have covered lots of interesting figures in history. Is there anybody that you would love to share a joint with, either past or present? Uh, like living or dead? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, there's it's a much smaller list of people I wouldn't love like to share a joint with, you know? <laughs> right. you know uh, but I, I understand your question. I would say, uh, you know, Willie Nelson is sort of an icon of the show in that he was the first episode. I think he is uh, sort of an iconic person in cannabis culture at this point. I think he is recognized for the longevity of speaking out on the issue, for his really uh, good nature and his work with small farmers. And so... Uh, for somebody living, I you know it would be certainly hard to uh, to go past that. I think to me, the era that I would like if I had a hot box time machine to take me back in time, the jazz scene of the 1930s, uh, which we did do an episode on, um, was absolutely inspired and saturated and fueled by cannabis. Um, There's many, many songs from big top, you know, Louis Armstrong, Ella Fitzgerald, uh, all, all these musicians, Fats Waller, they all recorded songs about weed, like uh, not, uh, not in any subtle way, you know, they praised cannabis as, part of inspiring a scene that was all about inspiration, uh, all about improvisation, which we definitely associate with the plant. It is about integration, uh, not just integrating other musicians together, but the racial integration of the jazz scene of the time really came about because, okay, at the clubs, you would see a segregated band playing for a segregated audience. Uh, But at night after that, at like two in the morning when the jazz clubs closed, everybody would get together, uh, Mm. black or white or brown, uh, men and women, to go to these tea pads, which are, you know, kind of like an after-hours speakeasy type vibe where there'd be more music, but people would be uh, just 
mixing it up. You know, musicians from all different bands, weed being the commonality, uh, you'd have music, you'd have food, dancing, um, and this tremendous vibe. And to me, uh, I just think that would be, I love jazz music anyway. Uh, that's, I'd, I'd like to go back there and, and, and hang out and, and blaze one with Louis Armstrong and, and right. his weed crew. That sounds amazing. It does sound like that would be pretty amazing. Um, it's funny that you mentioned the jazz. I suppose it's not funny, but I did pick up your book recently, How to Smoke Pot Properly. And in large part because uh, I'm almost ashamed to admit I'm a terrible roller. That was one of the reasons <laughs> why I picked up the book because I had like the instructions. And you put right in there about listening. I think it was listening to Louis Armstrong on a rainy day <laughs> and setting aside some time. So I have been following those instructions and I have improved greatly. So thank you. I will have to say thank you for that. <laughs> oh, wow. That's a, that's yeah. a tremendous uh, success story. <laughs> it, it truly is because, uh, yeah, I mean, I just never really learned to roll and I make, I do make a lot of edibles and that's probably how I consume a lot of my cannabis, but you know, every, responsible adults should learn how to roll. So I do recommend folks that you pick up the book, How to Smoke Pot Properly, and you won't be disappointed. Um, finally, David, what stories are you working on next? Ooh, uh, we had just had an episode come out today. I know this, let me, how long until this comes out? It'll be uh, three weeks, maybe a month. Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah. Um. We are working on some really interesting stories, trying to, uh, <clears throat> we're working on some really interesting stories. We just <laughs> had an interview with uh, Representative Blumenauer, who is okay. the most uh, cannabis-friendly member of Congress, talking about what's the status for federal legalization. And uh, in the same day, we just talked with somebody who... Uh, won an Olympic gold medal and had it taken away ah, for yes. their use of cannabis and then got it back. So right. we heard that whole story start to finish and it is just a wild ride and I can't wait to share it with everybody. I'll be excited to listen to that one because I just <laughs> listened to the episode with Blumenhauer today. That one came out today, I think, or yeah. recently, but I did listen to that one today. It was great. And I mean... What an advocate. Like that guy was uh, seriously impressive with his advocacy for cannabis. But I'm pretty sure the Olympic athlete you're talking about is a fellow Canadian, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, yes. indeed. <laughs> yes, I know who you're talking about. So I'll definitely be looking forward to that episode. Uh, is there anything else that you'd like the audience to invite me to know about yourself and the work that you're doing in the world, David? Uh, I would just say, please check out Great Moments in Weed History podcast. We're really trying to uh, build a community of people that, that care about cannabis and, you know, the whole thing, you know, I, I, I've been at this long enough to really have been a part of the outlaw culture of it, which still exists. Uh, and to now be part of the legalized, uh, part of it, which is great. And we definitely want to just keep pushing for an end of these arrests. But if you really love this plant and you really want to be about this culture, I think it's very important to understand our history. I think it's under, uh, very important to understand what people went through to secure these freedoms and all of the positive, amazing con contributions that, 
uh, our people have made to the world. So uh, please join us there. You're going to find a very inclusive, fun vibe. Uh, We really try to find stories that represent all different communities of people. um, And we would love to have you there. Wonderful. Well, I'll be linking to it in the show notes so everyone can find it. I highly recommend your podcast. It's thoroughly enjoyable and educational at the same time, but you don't even know that you're learning while you're listening. So please, everybody, check it out. And thank you, David, so much for joining me today. Thank you so much for having me and for contributing this wonderful show to our culture as well. And uh, I'm going to have to try those caramels at some at yeah. some point. <laughs> you will. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> You can learn more about David from his website. I'll link to that. He has a lot of his articles linked over there. There's a link to the podcast as well, but you can also find that by searching Great Moments in Weed History on all your favorite platforms. And he has also written the book, How to Smoke Pot Properly, which I think got mentioned in our conversation. I did pick that one up before uh, I, I met with him and sat down with him, and I'm glad I did. It did help me learn to roll because I admittedly am a, was a terrible roller. He does have a whole section on throwing on things like throwing a weed-themed dinner party, high holidays, and that kind of thing. One of the things he talks about in the book that I really enjoy is cannabis and creativity, and the tip that he gives is to figure out what it is you want to do before you get high. And I know that a lot of people, like myself included, sometimes I get high and I, I say I don't like to do it because it can often make me unproductive, but I think that's because I haven't been approaching it the right way, which is know what I want to accomplish before I get high and then you can focus your attention afterwards on that on that activity so he has lots of great tips in there I'll link to that in the show notes as well but if you enjoyed this conversation please share with a friend and let me know what you think I'd love to hear it in any case my friends until next week stay high